preparing for that, actually you open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 16. And uh, this last week, I just really praying. We've been ministering on uh, living with the Holy Spirit, and we've had those two questions that we asked. What happens when you do church without the Holy Spirit? You end up with religion. And when you do life without the Holy Spirit, you end up with failure. And uh, so we've been ministering around that for several weeks, and I was kind of going in the same direction. And then I just was praying through this week and asking the Lord if there was something uh, specific for this morning. And this just began to come up in my spirit. And so this morning, I just want to talk to you about taking courage, taking courage. And we've watched a lot of things happening around the world, happening in our country and different things happen. There's a lot of things you could be concerned about, uh, not, not only on a political or a economical situation, but just on, on, on so many different levels. But how many know God wants you to be encouraged? Amen. So this morning, I just want to minister a little bit on that. I'm going to be talking about uh, Thanksgiving in that area. And part of that, I, I was encouraged. I drive up Pastor Sonny up here at uh, Park Community Church. I'm driving up and uh, I drive by uh, their facility in there on their billboard sign they have out there. It said, cool, Thanksgiving, not just a day. It's a lifestyle. And so I said, that's cool. That's my message. I wish I had, would have had that for my title instead of taking courage. Praise the Lord. Amen. But uh, it is cool. So look at the cover of your outline, and then we're going to pray and get into the Word here before we do this. Wouldn't it be great if we could be promised a life without risk, without trials or tribulation? Wouldn't that be great? Get saved. I I wish I could say that as a fact. Today you will get saved, accept Jesus as your Lord, and you'll never have a trial in your life. You'll never have another problem. You'll be a life without trouble or fears without any suddenlies or disappointments. How many ever had a suddenly that caught you by surprise? Those are surprise things. I mean, I shared in first service the other day, I was out there and, and, uh, or uh, about two months ago, and uh, I had my little trailer that I hauled wood and different things in, a little utility trailer, and we were doing some stuff here, and I, I had it on the back of the truck. Well, I, I pulled out and made a U-turn in the parking lot, and when I don't have my, the trailer on there, a lot of times when I'm leaving and going home, if I'm the last one here, I, I'm trying to remember, did I lock that door? Is that door open? And so I'll back up and down the parking lot and check different doors, and so I just automatically started to back up. Well, I jackknifed my trailer right into the back of my truck. Yeah, that's what I said. So bam, I hear this, and I'm going, who hit me? I go, I hit myself. It was awesome. It was a moment between me, myself, and I. And uh, so it, I, here I am, and I, and I run into that, and then I'm going, oh, man. And I'm looking there, and I said, well, praise the Lord. I didn't hit the bumper. I just kind of hit right below my tail light, and it popped the tail light, and it cracked it. And so the big chunk came out. And then I found the chunk, and I held it up. And I said, man, it goes right back in there. So <laughs> since then, I've super glued my tail light back together. <laughs> I mean, I'm going good. It's all good to have this little nick. So it's kind of a war wound on my truck, but hey, it's all right. But see, most of the time, or else we could just panic. We, we could get mad. We could get frustrated. How many know stuff isn't worth losing your salvation over? And we're getting freaked out and going, ah, you know, and backsliding over. So hang into that. But so suddenly's come or disappointments come without disaster or destruction. It'd be nice to live without violence and wars, without persecution and affliction, without loneliness, despair, without ridicule and rejection, and without sickness and disease. But we all live in a world that comes with all that, with all of the above and even more. So how are we to live? How are we to find strength or maintain peace and hold on to joy in the midst of the storms of life? Father, I thank you today that in these next few moments 
that you will come and by your Holy Spirit, you will speak into each and every one of our lives. Father, I know that there are those here today that need to be encouraged. They need to hear and hold on to the hope and the promise and the peace that you have for their lives. I know there are those who are facing situations. They're in an in-between place, and they're waiting upon you for an answer. There are those in this room this morning who have prayer requests on this wall, and they're waiting for them to move to the answer side of the sanctuary, Father, and they're in between. And, Lord, they need your peace. They need your strength. They need your comfort in this hour. And so, Lord, I pray that you come by your Holy Spirit. You minister. And you bring your peace in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I put it there in your outline, John chapter 16. And you can see it in your Bible as well. Because if I love reading in the Gospel of John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And you get those last few hours that Jesus spent with his disciples. And he's there. They, they begin having the last supper together. And then he washes their feet. And then he goes into this discourse of time of teaching them and exhorting them on how to live now that he's getting ready to be uh, uh, turned over into the hands of, of, of the sinners there and, and of the people. He's going to be go through his passion. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be buried. And then a few days after, he's just going to ascend and be at the Father. So he has a short time with them. But he's giving this to so much vital information. And at the end of chapter 16, after teaching, just before he goes into John 17, and what we call his high priestly prayer for us and praying over us, he gives him, he closes chapter 16, it ends with this declaration. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Everybody say, in him. In him, or in me, he declared, you may have peace. Now why? In the world you will have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. And that's from Young's literal translation. If you look inside your outline, I put it in there from the Message Bible. And I like the way it reads. He said, I've told you all this so that trusting me... You will be unshakable, assured, listen to this, deeply at peace. Trusting him, you will be unshakable, assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. How many could say amen? I mean, it just happens. Stuff happens around us. Different things happen. But in here, but he says, but take heart. I have conquered the world. The Living Bible says it and just as clearly. It says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Amen? And so with that, what do we do? The only way to find peace is to live at peace in the one who has overcome the world. And so it takes some effort to live in Christ, not to live in the world. Circumstances happen to it. So when everything else is going around, hey, am I going to move out of my peace in Christ and get caught up in this? Or am I going to stay there and maintain my peace and just walk in thanksgiving and praise God and believe that he is the God who always supplies an answer? Could you say amen? So we, we live in the one who is our peace and who has overcome the world for us. If you do a word study on the word fear, you find in the scriptures, you'll find out that 365 times we're told to fear not. Isn't that amazing? Fear not, 365 times. So every day when you get up, I wonder what the Lord wants me to do. Fear not. Hey, Amen. Well, what kind of, well, what about this? What about that? Hey, fear not. Fear not. One for every day of the year. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. 
You know, you could research that, turn it into a mini book. You'd probably sell a lot of them. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But think about that. One of the key tricks the enemy of our soul uses to distract our attention is to move our focus off of the Lord. To cause us to see circumstances of life as, as obstacles too great to overcome. To try to make us believe that we are without hope and without remedy. A couple of weeks ago, I shared a message on the voice of the intimidator. Actually, it was on Tuesday night. And it was about killing unbelief. And that the enemy always comes with a voice to intimidate, to move us off of faith and into unbelief, into fear and into doubt. It always comes like a Goliath. It's always big and intimidating. And, and that's why I looked at Goliath. I thought about that. That's what bothered everybody. Here's this giant standing up there. He's huge. He's almost nine feet tall. He has a giant beam. I mean, his armor bearer needs a cart and two horses to tow his armor out there and stuff. The guy is just huge. And so he's out there yelling and challenging you. And that's an intimidating force. And that's what the devil brings. He said, come out and fight against me. And so everybody's afraid. He said, just give me a man to come against me. And many times the things we oppose, they look like a Goliath in our life. But when somebody knows who they are in Christ and they know the covenant that they have with God as David did, you just run out there with nothing but a sling and a stone. And you win the victory. It's just a voice of intimidation. And that's what he uses. See, he tells us that the storm is greater than the peace that is asleep in our boat. Go with me to Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, I want you to read it with me. The Gospel of Mark in the fourth chapter. Jesus has been teaching and then he's getting ready to cross over. And so on the same day, verse 35... When evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat on the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so what? Fearful. How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, they were intimidated by the storm, but peace was asleep in the boat. Do you understand that? Many times, see, the peace of God isn't moved by what's going on around us. And when we ever understand and realize God's peace is always with us. Jesus went on in John 16. He says, my peace I leave with you. And just because there's a storm raging, it doesn't mean peace has departed. Amen? But it's always better to wake up peace with faith than with fear. Are you doing all right? Wake it up with your faith and not with our fear. If you look up the word thanksgiving, you'll find that it's, it, it's the, in the Hebrew, I mean in the Greek, it's called Eucharista. And it means gratitude, activity, grateful language to God as an act of worship. I love that. Having grateful language to God as an act of worship. You know, when I backed into my truck, I said, thank you, Lord. I didn't hit the bumper. Come on. Yeah, I dented my truck. But praise God, it could have been worse. Amen. And, 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 and so always look for the best, not for the worst. There's something about us. We love to look at the negative instead of looking for the good. 
And so look for the good thing in everything. Have thanksgiving in your heart. The Bible says in everything give thanks. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I mean, you'd be thankful for denting your truck? Yes, it could have been worse. Amen. Praise the Lord. So watch it. So if, if you follow along, we, we have our Anglican friends that have church here every other Saturday night, and, and, and they have a Holy Eucharist service. And the Eucharist service is the service of thanksgiving where we remember the life and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was given for us. During the Eucharist service, during communion, we're being thankful. We're expressing our thanks and our gratitude. We're giving thanks to God for the life that was given to us. Amen? And so it's to focus on, Jesus says, always focus, always be thankful for the life I have given you. Praise the Lord. So the secret to peace and praise and thanksgiving, even in the storm, is this. Always expressing gratitude to God, even when we don't have any answers to the questions. That's what's hard. We want answers all the time. Go with me in your Bible to Psalms chapter 34. Amen. Psalms 34, verses 3 and 4 says this. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Amen. Magnify it. Lift up his name. Exalt his name. We're singing that. Exalt in the name of the Lord this morning. Look what it says. Verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from what? From what? All my fear. I, saw, I magnify the Lord. I'm exalting Him. I'm praising Him. I'm giving Him thanksgiving. And I seek Him. And He delivers me from all my fears. The Message Bible says it like this. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us lift up His name together. I sought the Lord on the authority of His word. And He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. God is so good. And His word is true. Hallelujah. I love that. Praise the Lord. So keep your language of gratitude flowing towards God. Why? He is your answer. And it's hard in certain situations. Tomorrow afternoon, a, a dear friend of ours, Tony Chacon, and his son, Josh Chacon, years ago, be, before they moved out of the area, they were part of our church here. And his son, Josh, is married. But his wife just suddenly passed away, had a seizure and, and, and a brain situation, and, and, and she just just never got better and passed away. Now, Josh is left with three little children. He's a single father. What's he going to do? How are you going to live? What are the answers to that? Well, I'm either going to give up or I'm going to hold on to my answer. Over the years, we've had to deal with, as a pastor, I've had to do too many memorial services and funerals for people for the unexpected suddenlies in life that looks like a disaster. But God can turn anything around. Are you with me? It doesn't mean that there's not a loss or we don't understand that. But so many times in, in, in the difficulties of life, I have to choose beforehand how I'm going to respond. Amen. One of the scriptures that I look at where David said in Psalms, he said, Though he slay me, yet shall I praise him. And for me, every, every time I read that, it reminds me that there are times in our life that it looks like, man, even God is against me. It looks like God is fighting against me. It looks like God is trying to slay me. No, there, there, there's things that are happening. There's more going on. How many know Job didn't have a clue what was happening in his life? It wasn't until the end that he got a clue what was going on. He got in trouble. He was being persecuted by the devil for the righteousness of his life. 
Amen. There was persecution for right. And he experiences all this loss and all this devastation. And, and it's because God started bragging on him. Yeah. Amen. Sometimes you want to say, hey, God, just let's keep this between you and me. Amen. Why bring the devil in? And, and so we have this whole situation going on. But the, what I'm saying, there's more happening than you are aware of. And so the question is, what is your posture going to be? How are you going to respond? I choose, and I believe the best way to maintain your peace is hold on to thanksgiving. You don't have to be thankful that somebody died, but hold on to your praising God. Keep trusting God. Hold on to your peace in Him. Amen. We, we've all experienced those type of hardships and loss in our family with loved ones and those associations. So, but hold on to your answer. Keep your language of gratitude flowing towards God because he is your answer. Remember this, that your victory in every battle is not based on the size of your faith. We work so hard at building our faith. Our faith isn't that big of a deal. Jesus said if you have faith of the size of a mustard seed, what's the big deal is the God who you have your faith in. Amen. It's not the size of your faith that wins you the victory, but rather the size of your God in whom you have placed your trust. He is still the greater one, and he lives inside of you. Amen? Think about it. Colossians 2, Paul wrote this to the church of Colossia, and he says this, it's there in your outline, and now just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with what? Thankfulness. Praise the Lord. So we must live in awe of God. I want to encourage you today. Fall back to that place where you're just in awe of God. Just be amazed at His goodness and His love for you. He is worthy of all we have or ever will be. His plans, His ways, His love, and His grace are beyond the depth of a lifetime of discovery. Yet exceedingly worthy of our lifetime being given to explore them. Spend your life. Searching God out. Spend your life getting to know Him. Spend your life in search of His goodness. Understanding the depths of His grace. Everything that He's declared to you. But I'll declare to you, God is greater than what you will ever know about Him. Amen? Think about that. What we think we know of Him is far less than who He is. Amen. Because your, your finite mind, my mind, our life, we can't understand all that God, if he poured it in there, that's why everything he does, he, he gives us a piece of, this is a partial revelation, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, this isn't everything that's going on, that's why the Bible said, Paul wrote, I have not seen, ear have not heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man, all the things that God has prepared for those who love, he just has more, Amen. And when you figure it all out, you find out there's some more. That's what I love. After all these years, since 1978, serving the Lord, studying this word, preaching this word, every time I open it, there's more in there. I go, God, there's more in here. I've been through this thing. i got so many Bibles. I've been through them, marked them all up, writing in them. This one has pages falling out. I'm glued them back together. I go, God, every time I open this old book, there's more that comes out. Just like that, see? Amen. There's just more. He... What we think and know of him is far less than who he is. His majesty and beauty will always be wondrous to behold. Amen? See, I can assure you one thing. There is a God who is bigger than all your fears, stronger than any adversity you will ever face, who will never fail at one word that he has spoken concerning you. God will never fail. See, there will be times in all of our lives when we feel like the disciples, when we've been sent ahead and he's remained behind. Go with me to Matthew chapter 14. 
Matthew 14, beginning verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples. He just fed the 5,000, so he's sending his disciples away. He makes them get into the boat and go, go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went upon a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening had come, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. What? Do not be afraid. Then Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Everybody say, on the water. Look at that. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when? Everybody say, but when? That's usually where we get caught up in the but wins. Yeah. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. See, we find ourselves in storms of adversity and we remember he stayed behind. That's what it feels like sometimes. And we're doing everything we can, but it's not making any difference. In fact, it seems like and looks like the situation is getting worse. That was happening with the disciples. They're rowing and rowing and rowing. And it seems like, man, for all of our effort, we are going nowhere. Uh, I, in 2013, I got to go to Israel. I was on the Sea of Galilee. You get in a Capernaum on that side. You cross over to the other side, the region of the Gadarenes. You go across over there on the other side. And you can see it's not that big. You can see all the way across. You, see the, you can't see the shoreline, a little bit of arch there, but you can can see the hills there and everything go man we're just going right over there to go to the other side that's not very far just a few miles across there you're going to go across in that and, and, and so you can look okay no big deal but to be caught in the middle of that there they are in this little sea caught in the middle going nowhere just stuck there and sometimes that's where we feel we're just stuck in that place and for all of our effort and what begins to go to mind we say god are you with us no wait a minute he's behind but when you have to remember that see at first, he, the peace was asleep in their boat. At this time, their peace was praying for them. Jesus stayed behind and went up on the mountain, and he was praying. And those times when you feel God's not with you, when he's separated, you're in your boat, you're in that circumstance all alone, you need to remember Hebrews 7.25 that says that he ever lives to make intercession for you. He is praying for you all the time. Jesus is interceding for you. There may be a time when you feel like he's asleep, but remember that he is praying for you. And then at the other time, he's going to come walking to you on top of your circumstance. They are there in that boat. And how does Jesus show up? He doesn't show up. See, what we do a lot of times, we want him to come down and get in it with us. We want our friend, come on, we'll just get in my problem with me. No, I'll help you with your problem. I really don't want to get in there. Amen. Uh, from, because what you want to do is lift people out. God is a lifter. How many know every time the Lord appears, he always calls people up. He doesn't call, call himself down into that stuff. But he calls up out. He leads us out. He lifts us up. Amen. Amen. 
And so he comes walking on top of your situation. But that's what we want to do. We want him to come down and get in the middle of it. But he comes walking on top of our situation in that. Then suddenly he comes walking on top of the storm, the adversity, the circumstances. And he calls us out of our boat of our sinking security to walk on top of the storm with him. Peter was called out and he's walking on top of what was before his problem. Are you with me this morning? That's God's invitation to you and I. How do I get to that place? You're actually kind of going around. But if you understand that thanksgiving keeps you in a position where you're not being overcome, you're not just focusing on the circumstance, you're not focusing on the sickness, you're not focusing on the trial, you're not focusing on the challenge, you're not focusing on the adversity, you're keeping your eyes on Him. You're going to magnify the Lord. You're going to exalt Him. You're going to make God bigger than your problem. Amen. And he always gives you away and you always hear the invitation to rise up and to walk on top of the situation. Isn't it amazing that when Jesus said come, he didn't calm the sea. When I was on the Sea of Galilee, we had an opportunity as we were there and with the pastor group that we were with. And so they gave us different places where we got to do different ones, got to do devotions. I got to do devotion on the Sea of Galilee while we were crossing over. They stopped the boat and it was calm as glass. I go, this is so cool. I told the guys, 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 if there was ever a day to walk on water, this is it. Let's go for it, man. Look, it's glass. It's glass. We could do it, man. We don't have to have faith over waves. We just have faith for the water. Amen? And they said, go first, Don. Amen. Pastor Doug's in the background. Go, Don, go, yeah, go. It was hilarious. But see, he, Jesus didn't calm the storm. Jesus did not calm the storm. He said, Peter, Peter said, if that's you, bid me come. And Jesus invited him out of the boat to walk on the waves of the adversity that were against him. And praise and thanksgiving will always allow you to get out of your insecurity. The boat was a place of insecurity. Walking with him on top of the storm was the securest place to be. So many times we want God, give me the sea of glass. Calm everything out. Settle everything down. No, just get your eyes on him and keep walking towards him. The moment Peter got his eyes on the wind and the wave and everything that was happening, he began to sing. That's what happens to us. Thanksgiving keeps your eyes on God. No matter what's happening, keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Amen? So he calls us out of our boat to walk on top of the storm with him because he is the overcomer. And his word to us is, be of good cheer. Think about that. Here he is, and in the midst of the storm, he doesn't walk up and go, oh, guys, you're struggling hard. Let me calm the storm. No, the first thing he says to him, be of good cheer. Okay. Easy for you to say. Amen. But he tells them, be of good cheer. It's me. Be of good cheer. Well, if it's you, could you do something about this? I mean, know what I'm saying? See, we, we want him to change our, to our, here's our, here's our problem. We always get a preconceived idea of how God should work in our life. And then when he doesn't form our idea of what he should do, we get frustrated with him. And we just reveal that we're just spoiled children that want everything our way. Amen. Amen. And so I just thank God, I'm going to trust you. 
See, what's cool? See, it would have been cool. If I'd have got out and walked on water, that would have been cool. And they'd all go, well, it was calm. Anybody could walk on calm water. How you doing? It's always better when you walk with him on top of your storm. Amen? I'll make him change it. Just stay with him. Keep walking with him. He is the overcomer. Amen? So get this as we close. I'm going to have to worship team come back. The challenge always comes in the in-between place. That is when it is most important to praise him and to have our speech filled with thanksgiving. To do so, we must remember all that he has done for us. I want to encourage you this morning. Remember everything that God has done for you. Yesterday I was in here and, and doing a couple little chores yesterday afternoon. And, and, and I was working with this piece of equipment. And I, and I had to take these little plugs out to put these little screws in. And, and, and I wasn't sure whether we were going to keep it or whether we need to return it. So I needed to keep these little, little itty-bitty little rubber plugs about like that. They're just like, they were just like nothing. And so I got this piece of tape, and I, and I have all four of them, and I have three of them, and I'm putting them on the tape, and one bounces down the back by the booth back there, and it drops down, and I'm going, oh, man, where'd that go? And so I had this little headlight spotlight thing on, because I was working in the, underneath back there, and I'm, I'm looking around. So I, I'm down on my hands and knees on the carpet there with my floodlight. <laughs> and I'm feeling, because just this little thing, I said, I feel I'll rub my hands. And I'm doing that. And then I picked up several chairs. And I go, maybe it's underneath one of them little legs that roll in. So I stack all these chairs up. And I'm down again with my floodlight. I'm doing all this. And I'm going, it's just a word, you guys. It's, it's got to be right here. To, and, so, and it's not there. And I'm looking and looking and looking. It's not there. And so I'm getting mad. I go, man, I need that. And, and now, because I'm thinking about, I have to take this thing back. And I got to plug that hole. And look at that. I, I need that little thing. I take it back. And you don't get your money back. You don't have the little thing. And so I'm like, man, I need this thing. So I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And, and then I walked down the hallway. And, and then I was doing something else. And I came back in. And, I, and from, from the door to the end there, I go, Lord, I need to find that little thing. I said, I said, Holy Spirit, help me see that. And so I walk, and, and I looked under the back row chair, and it's sitting right there. I said, how come, how come I couldn't see it when I was down there with my floodlight? Feeling, looking everywhere. How come I couldn't find it? Amen. Remember, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will send you a helper. A helper. So the moment I asked for help, he showed up. Are you with me this morning? And so many times, see, see just ask for the help. Just, just magnify the Lord, begin to pray. I said, God, thank you. So we had a little praise party back there over a little rubber thing. <laughs> Amen. Because God, God, God cares about little rubber plugs as well as he cares about you defeating cancer, as well as he cares about you overcoming any adversity. He cares about every aspect of your life. But there has to be that place where you're willing to praise him. You're willing to thank him. You're willing to ask him to be your help. You're willing to call upon the name of the Lord to do what David said. Magnify the Lord with me. Exalt his name forever. I sought the Lord and he delivered me. Amen. Amen. I was in fear and trepidation over losing that little rubber thing. He delivered me from my fear. I'm serious. There's a concern. How many know what I'm saying? But you have to purpose to do that and to trust him. And so what happened? In the middle, in the in-between place, that's when it's most important to praise him and to have your speech filled with thanksgiving. We have to remember all that he has done. How many could just raise your hand and say, God's done something for me in my life? 
There's things I could remember. I could tell somebody, right? If you ask me, I could tell you some things God has done. Well, he's done it before. He'll do it again. Amen. Just say, God, do it again. I'm believing you're going to do it again. And begin to thank him. Begin to praise him. See, in Mark chapter 4, we read that they learned. Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. And what happened? Peace was asleep with them. In Matthew 14, as we read, in between the shores, they had an encounter. In between the two shores, they needed an answer. Peter needed an answer in between the boat and Jesus, in an in-between place. See, what they thought would just be a boat ride across the sea became a life lesson they would never forget. Many times what seems to be a casual in-between experience going from one side to the other can be life-changing. The lessons in his disciples learned in between change them forever. And they will change you and I too. It's the in-between place that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. What is he doing? He's sleeping. Come on, if he's at peace, you should be able to look to the back of the boat. If the Lord's at peace, you should be too. Amen. Just curl over, share the pillow. Amen. Hallelujah. Stay in that place. Never lose your peace. Is he praying? Then you should be praying too. Amen. And think about that. When he comes walking, just get up and walk with him. Keep your eyes on him and keep walking. Amen. Think about it. In between miracles and provision and victories, many times come storms. I don't have time this morning, but John chapter 1, you read it, verses 1 through 38. You read the account of the blind man sitting by the road. Jesus walks by. His disciples ask him, who sinned, him or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither, but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. So Jesus makes mud, spits on the ground, makes mud, puts it in the man's eye, says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He goes and washes. He comes back seeing. Everybody is amazed. Next thing you know, the guy who had just been sitting there minding his own business, begging, is now in a whole turmoil. His life is put into turmoil people find now that people are getting all fired up oh man the blind guy now sees man I'm gonna put mud in his eyes. and so then the religious people found out and then they start jamming how is it that your eyes are open the guy says I don't know I was sitting there by the road all I heard was and then mud in my eyes and then the next thing you know he says go wash I'm definitely not gonna leave it there washing was a no-brainer and then I come back now I see and now you're examining me. He says, all I know is that I was blind. Now I see. Amen? That's all I know. And then they kept examining. Next thing you know, they call mom and dad to the party. Mom and dad said, hey, he's full grown. We're not getting in this man. You deal with him himself. And then next thing you know, his parents are rejecting. Next thing you know, he's getting kicked out of church. Just for having his eyes open. Amen. And so, and then a little while later, Jesus shows up again. But in between his two encounters with Jesus, all hell broke loose in his life. Amen? But if you read his account, it's a powerful account. You read that he just kept pressing in there. I just know this. I was blind and now I see. All I know, anybody that can make my eyes see, I'm not going to speak against and I'm standing for him. Amen? And so you go back, you remember everything has God done for you. And no matter what it is, it may look like it's not working this time, but you keep thanking him for what he's done in the past. Keep thanking him that he found your keys, he found your little rubber doohickey. He found everything in your life. He'll do it again. Amen? Think about it. There is an in-between place in every choice and decision that you make where you just say, okay, I, I'm going to live with that. You have to decide. I'm going to live with that. 
But it's either a place of life and death or blessing and cursing. And it's never what happens on the shores that mess you up. It's what happens in between. It's the place of test and trial, temptation, fear, frustration, and fatigue. See, when Joseph did, in between the vision and the throne made all the difference. What David did in between being anointed and being made king made all the difference. My question to you is, how are you living in the in-between place today? Maybe you've been praying for something. You know, I remember Mama's here this morning. I shared in first service, but years ago, I wasn't always this nice. I, I was a rascal growing up. Amen. And uh, Grandma and Grandpa being pastors and Mama was just praying over us, frustrated over us and concerned. And one day Grandma said, well, honey, just commit them to the Lord. Just give them up. Quit worrying. Quit frustrating. Commit them to the Lord and begin thanking God. Begin thanking God for what He's doing in their life. Begin to walk in thanksgiving for what He's doing in their life. Begin thanking Him for saving them. And it's amazing what happens when you make your in-between place a place of thanksgiving. Many of you have prayer requests on this wall. And we put our answer wall over there because this is where we live. We make our requests known before God. And then we live in between until the answer comes to pass. And if you can learn to make the in-between place the place of thanksgiving. God, I'm just going to thank you. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't need you to come down. I need to listen to your voice. In between here, I'm just going to walk with you above my circumstance, above my problem. I'm just going to rejoice in you. I'm going to act like I have good sense. Amen? I'm going to act like I know you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to thank you that you're working on my behalf. I'm thanking you that you're turning things around. I thank you that my children are coming to the Lord. I'm thanking you're turning this situation around. I thank you that healing power is working in my life. Amen? I'm just going to praise you through this situation. I'm going to keep my eyes upon you. And as I was preparing for this week, I really felt the Lord spoke to me that there were several people that really needed to hear this message. If I had my brothers, I'd have went in another direction. But I felt the Lord really was speaking to some folks today that you needed this, that you need to be thankful in this in-between place. And you need to hold on to your peace. I I wish we could get you out of all the circumstances, but we can't. But listen to what Jesus said. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you would have peace. Amen. There will be trials, there will be tribulations, but be of good cheer. And some of you have given up your joy and given up your cheer. Amen. You need to be, see, I don't even know how to say this right. Just being able, being able to be joyful, being able to hold on to your peace and have joy in the midst of a storm. It's not living in denial. It's not doing anything else. It's living with faith in God and just being at peace in Him. Would you just stand with me this morning? Maybe you're here today and in your life, there's one thing that's missing in your life. And that you're here today and you know that Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life. You know that you've never surrendered and given your life to Him. You know that you've been a holdout. You might be that one person that somebody's been praying for and and, and agonizing over. But they've committed you to the Lord. And God brought you to this place today. He's brought you right here today so you could say yes to God. 
Maybe you're here today and that's just for you. This whole message is just so you can know that God's on your side, that you don't have to walk through life alone. There's a Savior that loves you, gave his life for you. And all you have to do today is say yes to God. Just open your heart and say yes to God. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe that's you. Maybe you came here today and saying yes to the Lord Jesus Christ, accepting him as your Lord and Savior. Is that one thing you've been holding out from doing? You said, well, you know what, I can fix this. I can turn it around. I can make it work. I'm not done yet. I still got some more strength. I can row a little bit more on my own. I'm going to make it to the other side. But Jesus is standing right here today. He's extending an invitation to you by the Holy Spirit just to say yes to him.